All right, so Jeremiah chapter 36 is where we're at tonight, and um, a lot of times my messages that I get, um, they're usually kind of inspired from my Bible reading that I've been doing as I read through the Bible, and uh, one thing I do every other time I read through the Bible is I read through it chronologically, and it's something that helps me out a lot, and so where we, uh, this morning we looked at, I believe it was second, first or second Kings, is where the story was. And now we're all the way to Jeremiah. But the thing is, if you're reading through the Bible chronologically, this is shortly after the time that we looked at this morning. So just kind of a reminder of where they were at. Because this, this morning we looked at the story of Josiah and his response to the reading of the Scripture. They were at a time when a judgment had been pronounced on them that they were going to go into captivity and there was no getting out of it. Israel had crossed the line this judgment was going to come, but because Josiah recognized that, he confessed the sin, he humbled himself, um, God held off judgment. But this judgment was going to happen. This was determined on them. This was kind of like the Daniel prophecy where he says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. These things are going to come. Nothing's going to change that. And that's how it was with this prophecy. And then... So just like we saw Josiah responded exactly the way one should, Josiah has now passed off the scene, and Jehoiakim, his son, is now the king. And you know what? God isn't going to punish the innocent generation. It's always a generation doing the same thing that ends up getting nailed. And so now we've got a new generation, but you know what? God's given them a chance. God's going to try to uh, you know, give them an opportunity to get right. And so, unfortunately, that's not what we see in this story. Tonight, we're going to look at a bad example. And this guy just happens to be Josiah's son. He did not learn from his father. God gave him the exact same opportunity. And the king literally throws it away. And so, um, I, and so I think a good way to explain their situation that they were in that Judah was in during that time, kind of mentioned this this morning a little bit, it's very similar to, I believe, the situation we are in in our country. We have shed so much blood in this country just through abortion. The amount of blood that has been shed, there is absolutely no way that this country is not going to suffer major catastrophic judgment at some point. I'm hoping it's during the wrath of God when we're out of here, but it doesn't have to be. It absolutely doesn't have to be. And I really believe that one of the reasons it's not happening yet is there are still many righteous people throughout this country that for us to get what we have begged for as a country, a lot of God's people would have to suffer too. And, I, and so I think, folks, that's why we're the salt of the earth. We are what is keeping this country preserved and if, boy, we better keep getting people saved. We better keep getting as many people living righteous as possible. We are what is standing between God and just major judgment coming right now. We are, we're the ones doing that. Okay? I heard it said last year, a couple of years ago, that it was Trump that was standing, literally from a pulpit, that it was Trump standing between God and America. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not Trump, folks. It's us. Okay? It's God's people. And uh, that's where they were at this time. God's judgment is about to come. It, you know, Judah has asked for it. 
And they've got an opportunity now, you know, another generation to do what the previous one had done and to just keep their, get their act together, do things right. But we're going to see we've got a completely different story from what we saw this morning. So let's look at what it says in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, that the word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. <clears throat> it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. So again, God is showing Jehoiakim an opportunity to stall off judgment. But, interesting thing, God knew he wasn't going to repent. And I think it's interesting that God knew he wasn't going to repent, but yet he still gave him an opportunity anyway. Even though he knew he wasn't going to do it. Because it says in verse 4, uh, then Jeremiah... Um, well, it's not, it's not in this, this passage here, but if you go, I didn't put it in my notes, but earlier in the book of Jeremiah, God said, I'm going to send you to go preach to them and they're not going to listen. And I've always thought, what a terrible job. You know, if God, you know, I'm glad God didn't call me to go start a church where nobody was ever going to get saved. Nothing was ever going to happen. You know, that, that would really stink. You know, I'd like to think I'd still do it, but I like the idea of the possibility of success, you know, and something good happening. That wasn't the case for Jeremiah. And he didn't get treated very good either. You know, he did some time in the dungeon for just preaching the truth. But verse 4 says, Then Jeremiah called Barak, the son of Neriah, and Barak wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, <clears throat> which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. And Jeremiah commanded Barak, saying, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore, go thou and read in the roll, which thou hast written from my mouth, the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. It may be they will present their supplications before the Lord and will return everyone from his evil way. For great is the anger and fury of the Lord that hath pronounced against his people. And notice too how Jeremiah had him do this during a fasting day. You would think during a time of fasting that people would be ready to listen to God, ready to confess things to God, that that would be a spiritual time. But did you know you can do spiritual things and you're just going through the motions of it and therefore it doesn't do a bit of good? And obviously that's where Israel was during this time. Well, it's fasting time. It's fast. It's the time of year when we do this. Let's do it. A lot of churches are like, ah, oh, it's revival time. You know, let's go, you know, let's, let's go through the motions. Hope something happens. You know, you got to have your heart right for these things to for these things to work and accomplish anything. And you know, Judah didn't have their heart right during this time. But uh, and you know, and so while we see that, you know, while you know, even though this generation, uh, you know, we know it was bad. God told them, "I'm going to send you." They're not going to listen. He still gave them an opportunity. And I think we need to be careful not to decide for God. When someone becomes reprobate, you say, well, you know, how do we know the difference? Right. Because and, and here's the thing. it's important to know that there is such a thing as a reprobate. But to me, the only time I would tell you just don't mess with it is I would follow the principle of not casting your pearls before swine. 
So if somebody is just being in your face, vulgar, you know, don't go to the gay pride protests and preach to those people. You know, when the guy's cross-dressing and he's just being repulsive on purpose, don't cast your pearls before swine unless they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. But, you know, don't you just decide that person's reprobate, you know, because of whatever. You know, we need to preach the gospel whatever we can because it may be. It may be they'll repent. We, we don't know. So unless people are just flaunting it and being in your face, just um, give them a chance. I, I, think, I, think that's a rule. I think that's a good rule of thumb. But verse 8 says, And Barak, the son of Neriah, did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading in the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Now, this chapter here does not tell us exactly what was written. But we can see exactly what was written if you turn over to Jeremiah chapter 45. Go ahead and turn over to Jeremiah 45 and we'll see what was written in the roll. Because it says, the, the, word that came, that, uh, the word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Barak, the son of Uriah, which he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. So we know this is uh, the story we're looking at. It was in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Barak, Thou didst say, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Thou shalt, uh, thus shalt thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built will I break down, and that which I have planted I will pluck up even this whole land. And seest thou great things for thyself, see them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. So right there you can see what exactly was written down because they're referring to it, how, how they read these words. And so basically God just says in the prophecy, what I built, and by the way, king, I built this kingdom, I built this nation, and I'm going to tear it down. And he said, and I'm going to take your life from you. So this is not a good prophecy for Jehoiakim, is it? This is, a, this is a really bad prophecy for him. But you know, this isn't the first time, and we mentioned this this morning, God gave a really bad prophecy for somebody, or even a nation, and then they repented, and then God repented. So he had an opportunity. He could have got things right when they came and they read this to him. But we're going to see that's not what he did. He could have acted just like his father had acted. He could have responded in the same way, but he didn't. And notice too, this prophecy, repentance is not mentioned. You know, but I do believe, uh, but it's the same thing as the Nineveh prophecy. Repentance wasn't mentioned, but repentance was given. So, uh, and, and another interesting thing too about chapter 45, it's not the most uh, poetic, it's not the most extreme prophecy we've seen you know we've seen other prophecies in the bible they're really pretty impressive they're well written i like the one um i forgot i think in nahum where it talked about uh those that may run when they read it i like the sound of that you know that just you know, this should scare you sometimes i mean the prophecies were very descriptive they were very scary sounding this one's just real straight and to the point just what i built i'm tearing down and you're gonna die that's, you know, it's just very to the point. And so while it's not written in a real scary way, it was something that should have scared him. Just like Josiah got scared when he heard the word of the Lord, words of the Lord read. Because God 
definitely meant what he said here. And then verse 9 says, And it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem and to all the people that came from the cities of Judah unto Jerusalem. Then read Barak in the book the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan the scribe, in the higher court, at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house, in the ears of all the people. So again, it's that fast again. We're a year later. Everybody should be ready to hear something from the Lord. Everybody should already have an attitude of just prayer and repentance. That's what they ought to have in their heart. They're all gathered together. This is very public when everybody is around. So everybody knows about this. It says, When Micaiah, the son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, had heard out of the book all the words of the Lord, then he went down into the king's house into the scribe's chamber, and lo, all the princes sat there, even Elishamah the scribe, and Eliah the son of Shemaiah, and Elnathan the son of Achbor, and Gemariah the son of Shaphan, and Zedekiah the son of Hananiah, and all the princes. Then Micaiah declared unto them all the words that he had heard when Barak read the book of the ears of the people. And so something, again, that's worth noting in this specific prophecy, um, it wasn't just given to the king in this story. This prophecy was something that everybody heard. And often, it's easy for wicked leadership to find out about something that's coming and then just ignore it. And then as a result of it, you know, the people end up suffering. But we got to understand, in this story, this wasn't a matter of just a wicked king who just failed to let the people know what's coming. No, everybody knew about this. Everybody heard this. So this is not just the king being bad. The people were bad too. And I'm telling you, a nation always has the leaders it deserves. And we should all be, you know, look at ourselves right now and say, we're really bad. Let me tell you, this abomination of a president that we've had, that we have, and in the previous generation, if that is not a call to repentance, I don't know what is. We get what we deserve for leaders. And I'm telling you, when you have a righteous people and wicked leadership, God takes care of that leadership. But most of the time, when we see, we see wicked leadership, we have wicked people too. They just, God gives us what we deserve. And so we can't try, as much as I'd love to just blame Biden on all the problems and, any, and if any judgment comes, as much as I'd love to blame him, it's not about him, folks. Okay, he doesn't even know what's going on anyway. Right? He's just doing whatever his handlers are letting him, and his handlers are just doing whatever you know the people want, whatever they think. It's it's not it's not his fault. It's the people's fault. So um, verse fourteen says, therefore all the princes sent Jehudai the son of Nethaniah the son of Shelemiah the son of Cushai to Barak saying, take in thine hand the roll wherein thou hast read in the ears of the people and come. So Barak the son of Neariah took the roll in his hand and came unto them. And they said unto him, Sit down now and read it in our ears. So Barak read it in their ears. Now it came to pass, when they heard all the words, they were afraid, both one and the other, and said unto Barak, We will surely tell the kings of these words. Now notice how these guys initially had a good response, but they end up following bad leadership. They, these guys, they ended up following bad leadership because the king, he didn't get scared. 
He, you know, so these, and, and there's a lot of people like that too. Sometimes in leadership, they're just, they're kind of neutral or they just go whatever, with whatever the leadership does. Often there's people like that. Okay. That's one of the problems in our country right now is a lot of people, they just do what the leadership says to do, no matter how dumb. Okay. Proof of that. Go look at all the masked people out there. Look at people driving around in their cars with their mask on. Why do people do anything that stupid? Because leadership said to. You know, you want to know why a lot of people are approving of same-sex marriage and things like that? Leadership says it's okay. And it's just like, you, you can't really think it's okay. It's not our job to think. We just do what they tell us to do. That's a shame. That, that's a shame. But that's how a lot of people are. And let me tell you, those people who just follow stupidity, when their leaders do bad things and they follow it, they deserve whatever they get for it. But there are those neutral people that just go along with leadership, but they're still accountable for themselves. And, and you, can't just blame, you can't just blame the leader. Because let me tell you, all those people out there diapering up on their face, if Fauci got up tomorrow and said you don't need to do it anymore, they'd lose a diaper. Immediately. A lot of churches that are following the protocols, that, you know, for whatever reason, whether out of fear and intimidation or they believe it, they do the same thing too because they are. They're just, they're that neutral in their thinking that they just go with wherever they're being pushed. Well, they just better hope there's always righteous leaders there because otherwise they're going to be doing bad things as soon as bad leadership comes. So verse 17 says, And they asked Barak, saying, Tell us now, how didst thou write all these words at his mouth? Then Barak answered them, He pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then said the princes unto Barak, Go hide thee, thou and Jeremiah, and let no man know where ye be. So it appears these guys, they kind of knew how the king was probably going to respond. They, you know, while, so while in their hearts they know, hey, we probably need to get right. You know, they were more scared of the king than they were God. And so they tell, you know, they tell Barak, hey, go get Jeremiah. You guys hide because the king's probably not going to take this very well. And they weren't wrong. Verse 20, it says, And they went into the king into the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elishamah the scribe and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehuda to fetch the roll, and he took it out of Elishamah the scribe's chamber, and Jehuda read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And so now... We are to the part of the message I want to focus on because we're about to see the king's response. And remember, this is the son of Josiah, a good king, one who loved the Lord, who was, became king at eight years old. And as an eight-year-old child, he loved the Lord and wanted to do the right thing. And somehow he turned out a really horrible son who did not have the same attitude as him. And it says that it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, he cut it with a penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. So right now what we're about to see is another response that we often get from people when you give them the word of God. And this is how we do not want to respond when you hear the word of God. And so notice the first thing they did, they attempted to destroy the message. It's like they thought, if we burn this roll, then, you know, power goes away. The problem is, it was the Word of God. You can't destroy the Word of God. 
If God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Even if we could somehow miraculously burn all the Bibles in the world and wipe it from the internet and all that, whatever God said is still going to come to pass. It's not going to stop the book of Revelation from coming to pass. In fact, no matter how they try to destroy the Word of God, it's just not going to happen because God said it'll never happen. Not even just that it will happen. I mean losing the words of God. It's not going to go away. And let me tell you, it's been attempted before. The Catholic Church has shed a lot of blood historically trying to stop the Word of God from getting out there. And, and, and it can't be done, but yet it doesn't stop people from trying, does it? It doesn't stop people from trying to get rid of the message. You know, we've got a lot of people today, they're trying to censor the message online. You know, YouTube, folks, YouTube is absolutely just going down the toilet and is just completely worthless. Just the stuff they're deleting, that they're censoring, all these online platforms, just doing everything they can, trying to stop the Word of God. You know, and even if they, even if they succeed in wiping all this stuff out, it's not going to stop the things that we say from being true. Okay? No, matter, no matter how much they try to silence us, Homos are still going to keep dying of AIDS. No matter how much they try to stop us, they're going to keep on killing themselves and being miserable and disgusting. They're still going to go to hell. And no, no matter how, they can completely shut us up online and all the things that we say are still going to happen. And guess what? We're still going to keep saying them. So it, does, it doesn't change anything. It might make them feel a little bit better because they're not being reminded of it. But it doesn't change the results are going to be the exact same. So here you've got this king. He hears the word of God. What does he accomplish by just burning it like that? Because guess what? Everything that that role said was going to happen, it happened. And we can read about it in the book of Jeremiah. Sure enough, Nebuchadnezzar came through and he took them captive and Jehoiakim died. Jehoiakim was killed. Just like the prophet said, so it did, you know, I imagine it made him feel pretty good then. I imagine Jehoiakim and all of his yes men and all of his lackeys, they're probably like, you know, good for you, king. You got rid of that message. You know, you, you put it, you put a stop to them because they were able to take away the reminder of it, but it didn't change a thing. What was prophesied, it came. And it's a sad how many people today are out there thinking, you know what, we just got to silence these people. We just got to get rid of it. You know, we just got to get rid of the Bible. It doesn't change anything. All it does is it gets you unprepared. All it does is it helps you live in a fantasy for just a little bit longer. Whatever God said, it's going to come to pass. You should do the hard thing at first, at first, and just humble yourself. You should just get right. Because what is going to come is not going to be pretty. And folks, what came on Judah and on Jerusalem was not pretty at all. Their temple was destroyed. That was a huge deal. I mean, this king, he died. His children died. And, and, uh, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. But did you know, if you go down the line, if, if you read the Matthew genealogy, Josiah's in there. And the truth is, it should have been Jehoiakim. But you know what? It's not Jehoiakim. It's Jeconiah, his brother. You know why? Because with what he did, this was, a, this was a wicked king. What he did was wicked, and God allowed him to be removed. God had made a promise to David, and God was still able to fulfill that promise through his brother Jeconiah. But you know what? It could have been him if he had done right. 
But if not, we don't see his name in there because he was cut off, because he was killed, and he had it coming, because he heard the word of God, he had a chance to get right, and what did he do? He had the word of God destroyed. Or a copy. And here's the other thing too. Did you know he destroyed the original? The original got destroyed. But yet, it's still inspired, isn't it? It's still the Word of God. Copies of the Word of God are also the Word of God. So the original, uh, Jeremiah 45, is gone, folks. It was gone. It didn't last long at all. But let me tell you, Jeremiah 45 is still here. We still have those words of God. We can look back on it. And sure enough, exactly as Jeremiah 45 said before it was even written, it, it happened. You can't stop the Word of God. So again, these people, they can do all these things to try to censor it. They can take Bibles out of the schools like they've done. They can take it out of the government. They can take down Ten Commandments from the courthouses. They can do all that stuff. doesn't change a thing. Everything that the Bible says is going to come to pass. Everything that the Bible says is sin. All those things that God said is wrong in the Ten Commandments, they can get it out of their sight if they want. They're still accountable to those Ten Commandments. And this country is going to be judged on how we've kept those things. And so to just remove it and to not remind people of it is just, all it's doing is speeding up destruction and it's adding judgment. But it doesn't change anything. And you know what? While many people today, they don't go as far as burning Bibles, but many, they do just whatever they have to do to avoid hearing the Word of God. They'll allow their Bible to just sit on a shelf somewhere and collect dust. You know, they'll get, or they'll get out of church. They'll avoid conversations about the Word of God. And, and let me tell you, there's a lot of people that are out there like that too, who a lot of times say they're saved, and for all we know, they might be saved. We talk to these people out soul winning, but it's like they say they're saved and sometimes they'll say a lot of the right things where I think they are saved. But you start talking about coming to church and it's amazing how offended they get. And you know why? It's because we're reminding them of what they're supposed to be doing. And they get mad at us, don't they? But here's the thing. They, show, they tell us they don't want to talk about it and we don't, you know, we don't push it. We walk away and leave, don't we? Because they, they don't want to be reminded of where they're living in disobedience. But guess what? They can make us go away and not listen to us, but it doesn't change the fact they're still in disobedience. But yet many people, that's where they're at, just like Jehoiakim, just get it away from me. I don't want to be reminded of it. But reality is still reality, folks. The Word of God is still the Word of God. You're still in disobedience. Judgment still coming. That is a very foolish thing to do. And avoiding the Word of God, which is what people are doing, which is why people are staying away from church, why they don't want to hear about these things. They're literally avoiding the Word of God. And you know what it'll do? It'll get you in the exact same place that Judah ended up getting to. We all know Romans 1, 1.28 says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They don't even want him up in their head. They don't, they don't want him in their head. It says God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Interestingly enough, in Jeremiah chapter 6, in verse 30, it says, Reprobate silver shall men call them because the Lord hath rejected them. Now, a lot of times people who hate the reprobate doctrine who try to debunk the reprobate doctrine they go to jeremiah 7 like i'll keep reading 
and you'll see where they're calling them to repentance. But look at what it says in Jeremiah 7, 27. It says, Therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken unto thee. Thou shalt also call them, but they will not answer thee. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. Cut off thine hair, O Jerusalem, and cast it away, and take up a lamentation on high places. For the Lord hath rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. When Jeremiah said, reprobate silver, shall men call them, it's because God knew they weren't going to listen. And when you are told the truth, and when you reject the truth, there comes a point where God says, okay, I reject you. And that is exactly what happened. They always tell us, keep reading after Jeremiah 6.30, and then they read a few more verses. That's when you say, let's keep on reading. <laughs> and if you keep on reading, you'll see, just like Romans 1 teaches, they got turned over to that reprobate mind. And so Jeremiah 36.24 says, and this is the response, after, after they read it, okay, after they read this scroll, it says, yet they were not afraid nor rent their garments. What was the first thing Josiah did this morning when he read, when they read the, word, the book of the law to him? He rent his clothes. Here it says, and you know why he rent his clothes? Because he was scared. Here it says, they were not afraid nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. We have an exact opposite response to the response his father had to the reading of the Word of God. And folks, this is where a lot of people are at today when they hear the Word of God. Nothing happens. They don't do anything. They're not afraid. Preacher gets up, lays it out from the Bible, makes a clear case from Scriptures. This is sin. This is wrong. They think nothing of it. That's a shame. You got, I mean, we've got people today, we've had people that have even come to church here before that are living in sin, shacking up with each other. And, and you go and, and you confront them about it. You talk to them about it. You show them what the Bible says about it. And then they get mad at you. That's an interesting response. But, you know, it's like Jehoiakim. What should happen is people should be like, I didn't realize this was so bad. You know, and, and I've talked to people like that before. And this is one of the things that kind of sobers me up as a preacher. I've, I've heard people before who, when you teach them the truth about something they're always like how come i never heard that before how, how, how come i never heard that i had a friend one time who had gotten saved when he was about he you know he's about 18 or 19 but he'd been in church his whole life and but he'd been to crummy churches and nobody ever told him you could know for sure that you're saved and that it's not of works and and it, his had it he was always so mad he was just like why did it take until now for somebody to tell me this and I thought, you know what? I never want somebody like that in my church. I've heard pastors talk, you know, talk about women before they preach and they told, showed them what the Bible says about modesty and about looking like women. And they're like, how come my pastors ever preach this before? Evangelists have talked about that. They've gone into churches and they preach these things and people in the church were like, no, nobody ever showed us this before. And there's always people that got mad, but there's always those people in the church. How come nobody ever showed this before? The last thing I want to ever happen is for some guest speaker to come here and like preach against some sin that you all, you know, many of you are doing. You'd be like, I didn't know that was a sin. Listen, if y'all are going to go and be sinning, I want it to be over my loud mouth. 
I want it to be over me teaching it and preaching it. I don't want it to be in ignorance. And that's why we need to try to preach the whole counsel of God. Because, you know, I, we, we, we don't want, I don't want the people in my church being ignorant to these things. But that's where a lot of people are at. Nobody ever told them. And you know what? That's not going to be, I don't, I don't want that to be the case here. We're going to tell people what the Bible says about these things. And, uh, and, and hopefully we'll get the right response. And there always will be those who respond right, but there will be those who just get angry. There will be those who will not get care. You know, they won't care and they, they won't be scared. Y'all, you have the Josiahs in every church and you have the Jehoiakims in every church. It's the way, just the way it is. So, and the fact that this didn't scare them too. A lot of times people, and they look at that as courageous. You know, it says in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You know, when you go, we were talking about this morning, you know, you go to youth conferences and youth camps and things, you always got those teenagers that are there that just kind of laugh off everything. You know, the preacher's telling their, you know, horror stories about, you know, the person that rebelled against God and, you know, their body got mangled and all these things, you know, horrible things happen. You know, and, and you always have that, the kids that get scared and want to get right. And then you always have the ones that just, rah, you know, that laugh it off. That's real funny. But let me tell you something. If preaching does not scare you, if the word of God does not scare you, you know what we would just call you then is a fool. Because, you know, there's some things that should scare you. If you're not scared of getting hit by a semi at 70 miles an hour, you're not brave, you're a fool. You know, if you're not afraid to go skydiving without a parachute, you're not brave, you're a fool. And we've got, and there's people like that, they, they have no fear. They're not afraid of drugs. They're not afraid of alcohol. They should be afraid of those things. They're not afraid of sin. They're not afraid of adultery. They're not afraid of fornication. You should be scared to death of those things. And if you're not scared of those things, it's not because you're brave. It's because you're a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. You want to know why that fool says in his heart there is no God? Because he doesn't like the idea of being accountable for his works. They don't like the idea of the judgment that's going to come on them because of the way that they're living. So if they're going to enjoy their ways, they need to keep God out of their mind. And so that's not, that's not bravery. That's just foolish. You should think about what it would be like to get ran over. You know, young people, you know, you should give your kids before they get their driver's license scare stories about what can happen in a car wreck. About, you because know, you could, you're not paying attention, you could kill somebody, you could end somebody's life. There's all kinds of horrible things that could happen, and you better have a healthy respect for that car. If you have guns, and I'm all for guns, I'm all for teaching uh, guns and teaching your young people how to shoot, but you better let them understand just how dangerous of a weapon that can be and the potential damage that can be done. And if you have no fear of that, you're just a fool. And there are, and let me tell you, violating the Word of God ought to scare us. And if it doesn't, you're not brave, you're just a fool. The Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That should scare all of us. That should scare us. And even Christians can kind of have this attitude of just ignoring God's words. 
You know, I'm saved. Okay. But you are a child of God, and for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Nah, I'm not afraid. Listen, you know, sometimes kids, they can get really defiant where it's like they don't even fear spankings anymore. But you know what? I wouldn't try that with God. He'll find a way to hurt you. He'll find a way to get your attention. And if you're not afraid of him, you're just a fool. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say. You know, you, you should be terrified of that. So, and, and that's how Josiah was. He had a fear of God. He responded, right, Jehoiakim did not. He, Jehoiakim, him and his men, they did not humble themselves. He did not rent his clothes. None of them did. They didn't humble themselves. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And it, it specifically mentions in this passage what they did not do. It, it, isn't it interesting how after they read it, it didn't tell us just what they did. It tells us what they didn't do. And all those things that they didn't do are specifically the things that said Josiah did. And I believe it mentions what they didn't do, not just because of the fact that Josiah had gotten it right, because this is Jeremiah writing, and I understand it's the word of God too, but it's just because when God comes to you and tells you what I built, I'm going to tear down. Listen, if, if God sent a prophet and it was the word of God that, you know what, and, and it said, I built Liberty Baptist Church and I'm going to tear it down and I'm done with you, Pastor Tommy. I mean, listen, that is going to scare me. You know, that, that would be a, a terrifying, uh, you know, it would be a terrifying thought. And I should, it would be expected that I would get on my knees and beg for mercy. That I would confess the sins. That's the natural thing to do. That's what you would expect anyone to do. And that is exactly what Jehoiakim could have done. But that's not what he did. Just completely defiant. They just burn up the roll, thinking if they destroy it, then it's not going to happen. So often, and often leadership struggles with admitting fault in anything because they are afraid of how it will make them look. But leadership more than anyone, they're the ones who need to do this. They're the ones who need to humble themselves because others follow them. And that's exactly what happens in this story. And it's like that a lot of times too. Even pastors, when they mess up, they never want to admit it because they're afraid it makes them look weak. And the thing is, nobody in your church thinks you're perfect anyway. And if, if you don't show people how to repent. If you don't show people how to humble themselves, you know, how, how are they supposed to learn from your example? And uh, all you're teaching them is how to be stubborn. That's not, that's not right. And unfortunately, that's what Jehoiakim did. He, did. he did nothing right in the situation. So it says in verse 25, Nevertheless, Elmethan, Deliah, Gemariah had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. But the king commanded that Jeremiel, the son of Hamalek, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah the son of Abdiel, to take Barak the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord hid them. So notice he didn't listen to good people that were in his life who only wanted to help. I mean, these guys, they obviously had enough, you know, they, they weren't fools. Okay? They might not have been strong men of conviction here, but they weren't fools. And when the word of God came, they're like, 
we probably shouldn't burn that. We should probably pay a little bit of attention. And so they're kind of trying to influence the king in the right way. And these guys just wanted to help. They cared about the king. They they cared about themselves too. But you know what? He ignored them. And not only did he ignore them, but he tries to get them to sin by going after Jeremiah and Barak. That's not going to help these guys out. And so it says in verse 27, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after that the king had burned the roll and the words which Barak wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah saying, Take thee again another roll and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll which Jehoiakim the king of Judah had burned. So ignoring the Bible, even burning the Bible, he said it doesn't change anything. What God said is going to come to pass. God just told him write it down again. Copies count. Okay? Copies count. They're the word of God. And you know what? This is the word of God too. Uh, well, it's a copy. Okay. Well, still, and it's the word of God. It's the, same, it's the same thing. Verse 29. Now so say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, thus saith the Lord, thou hast burned this roll, saying, why hast thou written therein, saying, the king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land and shall cause decease from thence man and beast. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of David. And his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat and in the night to the frost. And I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon all the men of Judah, all the evil that I have pronounced against them, but they hearken not. And so notice that part in there where he says, I'm going to cut off uh, Jehoiak, or Jeho- uh, Jehoiakim. He's going to have none to sit upon the throne of David. Because remember, this, is, this was a big thing about the throne of David. Okay? That was a major promise when God promised that there would always be someone to sit on the throne. I don't even know if these men realized it. Looking back, we know what it means. But basically, that promise of the throne being in David's family forever was a messianic prophecy showing that the line or that the Messiah was going to come from that line. That's, that's a good promise right there. And so Jehoiakim, he could have had that because he was in that line. He was the one that was on the throne, but because of this, because of his reaction to it, because of the way he responded to the Word of God, he was removed. He was gone and he was replaced. And even, even Jeconiah, okay, you know, his, his brother, uh, and I don't have time to get it, but that, that's kind of an interesting, uh, there's an interesting story with him too. Right, I'm just going to leave you hanging on that. I don't have time to get in. Uh, there's an interesting prophecy about that. Uh, there, there's some nuggets uh, in, in that uh, in how the line of Christ works too, especially during that time. Um, I'll have to save that for another day because we're out of time. But Je- Jehoiakim missed a great opportunity right here because this was very serious. And we've got, we got to understand, God will always accomplish what He wants to. And He'll do it with or without you. Even though Jehoiakim messed up, the Messiah still came, didn't He? Just not through him. It came, it came through his brother. And so Jehoiakim being removed this way, it is, this is another reminder of the dangers of ignoring the Word of God. We are accountable for what we hear. And when you are given the privilege of hearing God's word, you should take advantage and respond appropriately. So the word of God is powerful 
It accomplishes so much, but it only accomplishes good for us when we obey it. If we decide to rebel, it's still powerful, and it will still accomplish something, but it will be to our destruction. It will just be working against us. So we've got to make sure we keep our hearts tender and that we remain sensitive to the words of God. And so learn from these two examples, folks. This is pretty much all one sermon. This morning we focused on the good guy. Today we're focusing on the bad guy. And it is. It's just a total polar opposite. We can learn exactly what we need to do from both of them. Josiah, we follow his lead. Jehoiakim, we do everything opposite. And if, if we'll do that in, in all things and not get hardened and callous and used to the things of God, you will be very blessed for it. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for uh, this great example, Lord. I thank you for uh, the good examples that we have of, of men like Josiah so we know that the right thing can be done. But I thank you, Lord, for the bad examples you gave too so we can uh, be warned and so we can see it and fear. And I pray, Lord, that uh, these things that we talked about tonight, Lord, I pray it does strike fear in everyone's hearts, Lord. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, when we see these things, Lord, we won't be callous to it. We won't act like we're brave and, uh, and be fools, but we'll uh, show wisdom and fear you. And we'll uh, allow these things to change us. In your name we pray. Amen.